Welcome to Cryptonized, the show that interviews the crypto masters and their ideas on investing and the blockchain. And now here's your host, Mark Fidelman. Hello, everyone. We have Rachel Wolfson, who is a reporter with Cointelegraph here today. She is uh, also uh, has a podcast called The Crypto Chick, which is part of the Bad Crypto Podcast Network. You guys probably know Joel and Travis, very good friends of mine. Rachel, welcome to the show. And would you mind giving us maybe a hundred words or less uh, background experience, what have you, about yourself? Yeah, sure. Well, thanks for having me, Mark. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Um, so yeah, just some background about myself. Um, I've been writing about the cryptocurrency and blockchain space since 2017. Um, initially, what drew me into the space was just like the use of blockchain technology and how companies were using that for supply chain management. I thought that was really interesting. So I was initially drawn to the technology side of things rather than the crypto side of things. And then as we all know, um, the price of Bitcoin blew up um, in December 2018. And that's when things start getting really exciting in terms of cryptocurrency. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, I've, I've been writing for publications like Huffington Post, Bitcoin Magazine, Forbes, and now I'm a staff reporter with Cointelegraph. So I'm still at it and I'm loving every minute of it. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, so you have a particular interest in enterprise blockchain. Is that correct? Yes, I do. And, and what what makes that so interesting to you? Because to me, that sounds boring as hell. <laughs> right. And, and you know, and a lot of people might agree with you. They might think, oh, blockchain as a technology, that's boring. You know, cryptocurrency and the price of Bitcoin is so much more exciting and interesting. Um, but I think you know, what initially drew me to being interested in enterprise blockchain was really what like IBM is doing with their food trust network. I find that fascinating because I'm a big health freak and I really care about knowing where my food comes from. And so through the food trust network, you can track and trace certain food items. And basically you can go into like a Carrefour, the European grocery supplier and pick up certain items and scan that using a barcode. And you can see where that product came from because they use the IBM Food Trust network. And how does that work, that supply chain? Do at every step of the way, including when the food is picked off the vine somewhere in, in uh, Mexico, I'm just using that as an example, they scan it and then they track it throughout the whole process? Yeah, so I mean, I think, you know, different companies that partner with that are part of the Food Trust network offer different, um, you know, solutions when you scan the barcode so i know that i forget the name but it was a coffee company that recently announced that they were partnering with ibm food trust and i think you can trace and see that information all the way back to you know when the farmer picked the bean they mm. supply that information i think some other you know other products aren't giving you the full picture but some give you a more broader picture than others okay and then Everyone in the network has got to be on that IBM blockchain supply chain, I would, I would imagine, right? Or else it, it, it'll fall apart at some point. Correct. Yeah. So they're all on that network. But keep in mind, it's a private blockchain network. So not every company has access to, you know, certain data. So 
you know, Carrefour might not have access to the same data, you know, to Walmart's data, if that makes sense. Yep, that makes sense. It's private. Right. So it's private, but at least somebody would have access to it in the, in the event there was some kind of salmonella breakout. You can quickly tra- uh, track it down, I would imagine. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. it makes and it a lot easier. Are they doing anything besides food on, on the, the black or food tracking on the blockchain? Um, yeah, I mean, IBM is doing a lot. Uh, like I said, I'm really interested in their food trust network, but they're doing... Um, there are other projects that have been launched. I'm kind of blinking on them right now. Um, That's right. There's a digital identity project and some others that are using their um, their technology to. Okay. Yeah. And why do you think IBM has kind of jumped on board where some of the other larger companies are kind of taking their time? I mean, I think IBM just has a good grasp of technology in general. <laughs> so, you know, when it comes to blockchain, it just seems like that's, you know, something that they would have, that they would excel in anyways, just given their knowledge of technology. But I mean, it's not just IBM. There are other companies that are doing really interesting things in terms of enterprise blockchain. Uh, for instance, like Hedera Hashgraph, which mm-hmm. is used, actually, they're, they're using distributed ledger technology, which differs a little bit from blockchain, but um, they're adding this kind of trust layer to the internet and, um, yeah, they're working with some cool companies to ensure that, you know, there is an extra layer of trust using distributed ledger technology. So I think what they're doing is interesting. Yeah. And, you know, what I've seen, everyone seems to be dabbling in it at the enterprise level. You know, you see Oracle, you see Microsoft, Amazon. I don't know much about what they're doing, but I know they're starting to take a look at it. Amazon to me would be the natural company. I mean, if you had everything on the blockchain for what they do in terms of distribution, that would be key i'm sure there's working they're working on some initiative there i I, I can't imagine that they wouldn't be um but it just doesn't seem like they've adopted it uh as as much as as ibm has ibm seems to be like okay we're, we're going all in on this i know they have a whole department on it and they'll grow it out if they see that there's value to their shareholders and ultimately value to their to their customers would you agree or is there somebody as big as ibm that's really adopting the uh the blockchain in the enterprise I mean, I'd say IBM is one of the leaders in terms of enterprise blockchain. But like I said, Hedera Hashgraph and what they're doing with distributed ledger technology is really interesting. And what's interesting also about Hedera Hashgraph, and I'm actually finishing an article on this now, is that Google Cloud Platform just joined their governance council, which is huge to have, you know, Google Cloud on your governance council um, running a node on the network. So that's pretty awesome news. That's a good start. I, I feel like a lot of these companies just kind of dip their toes in the water. And if it works, they'll put some real muscle and some real resources behind it. Exactly. Uh, so that's a good sign. Yeah. And, and it's interesting because, um, and that was just announced a few days ago this week. So it was February 11th, I think. Um, what's interesting about that is that, you know, Google Cloud Platform has joined Hedera's Governance Council while these other major companies like MasterCard, Visa, PayPal are pulling out from Libra's governance council. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah. what, what, were, what, what went wrong there? And that's what my article is addressing. Well, what did go wrong there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I think, you know, just based on the conversation I've had with Hedera's CEO, um, Libra kind of went about the process a bit wrong. And what's interesting is that Libra 
kind of adopted a similar governance model to Hedera Hashgraph. Um, but, you know, he says that they went wrong in the fact that they weren't really engaged from the start with regulators. They were kind of like, oh, we're going to have this global cryptocurrency. We don't care what the regulators say. We're going to make it happen. Everyone got super excited, like Visa, MasterCard, PayPal. They joined their governance council. And it's like now that no innovation is really happening, they're kind of backing out and, you know, looking at companies where innovation is happening, like Hedera Hashgraph. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Okay. I mean, um, I, I'd have to agree. It's, it's, uh, it's very interesting what's going to happen here. And I'm going to start filing it a little bit more as some of these companies get real serious about, you know, bringing this into the enterprise and, and, and using it strategically, uh, especially with supply chain. It just totally makes sense. Yeah, let's, exactly. Let's move to, um, you know, some of the, you wrote an article recently about how crypto companies are adopting features similar to banks. Mm-hmm. What, what features are they adopting similar to banks? What's that all about? Yeah, so, and I think, you know, we're seeing this more, especially as like, you know, the industry is trying to gain mainstream adoption. I think that these crypto companies are kind of stepping up to the plate and they're offering their users much better benefits than banks could offer them. So, for instance, um, Celsius, um, is offering their crypto lending platform and so in order to increase investors returns um, with higher interest rates they're offering higher interest rates paid out in celsius's cel token which is pretty cool Um, they're also offering compound interest on crypto deposits so that's you know that's a similar feature to like you Mm -hmm. know traditional financial institutions is that is that is that including staking is that what they're they're giving that out I don't think that includes staking. I mean, there are companies where you can, you know, where you can stake crypto to earn rewards. I Celsius is crypto um, lending, so they're yeah. they they do loans, but not staking. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. No, Please no continue. worries. Um, yeah, and so, anyways, so that's really interesting. What they're doing, like the whole crypto lending space, is kind of blowing up right now. Um, so what Celsius is doing and also like companies like BlockFi, they're, um, they're also, um, doing some interesting things. Um, I'm really fond of Uphold. So they're a cryptocurrency company. I think they're based in the Bay area. They have an office here at least. Um, but basically they introduced zero commission trading on 30 cryptocurrencies. So there's no fees at all when you trade, buy, sell, whatever, I mean, which is, which is really great, you know, in banks, there's so many fees associated with banks. So it's like, you know, that's a benefit right there. Um, Also, they're allowing you in app to buy Bitcoin with your credit card. And there are no fees associated with that. Like, that's pretty Mm. awesome. How are they making money? Yeah, so that's a good question. Um, I did. <laughs> ask, I asked their CEO that question, and um, you know, basically, uh, I think he was just saying that he, you know, he wants to drive mainstream adoption. Like that's the goal here. Right. Um, so yeah, I guess they're going to generate less revenue, but at the end of the day, they're helping drive adoption. Okay. Yeah. I mean. That's probably, you know, a, a tactic of Silicon Valley, actually, is they just drive adoption and they figure out how to monetize along the way. Yeah. So eventually there'll be fees. It has to be. they got to stay in business. Mm-hmm. So yeah, whatever exactly. that is. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Anything else regarding uh, some of the f- 
features that you see crypto companies adopting that are similar to banks that, that are notable? Um, yeah, I mean, I'd say those are pretty notable. I know like BitPay also is allowing uh, users to purchase Bitcoin in-app using credit cards now. I think that there is a fee associated with that though. Um, so yeah, I mean, I just, I think a lot of these companies are just trying to make accessibility and the use of cryptocurrency much easier for people. Yeah. But that, and it needs to happen because that's the number one thing I believe is causing people not to want to get into crypto. A, it's, we have invented our own language, which is confusing to 99% of the population around the world. And then two, I mean, the, the barriers to entry are just massive. I mean, you really have to be dedicated and committed just to get in. And then once you're in, you're doing everything you can to protect yourself from somebody stealing it from you. Yeah. It, oh, it's gosh, the odd yeah. thing. And, and there's so many scam artists. It's like, who's a scammer? Who's not? And how do I figure this whole thing out? Yeah. I mean, I, only the early, early adopters are in right now. And, um, you know, they're, they're brave souls. Right. It's going to get better. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And it's funny. You just reminded me of a funny story that I've actually been meaning to just tweet about, and I haven't done that yet. But um, I was at Nordstrom Rack the other day. And, you know, they're a retailer and I had the Spedden wallet. I was testing it okay. out, the, the you know, Flexa's Spedden wallet. Yeah. And so I was testing the app out because apparently you can use Bitcoin at retailers like Nordstrom Rack and Petco and, you know, some others. And I was at Nordstrom Rack and I was like, you know what, I'm going to use my Bitcoin to buy this whatever it was I was buying. So I go up to the register with my purchase and I told, I told them, I said, I'm going to pay in Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and they looked at me like I was crazy. They were like, what? I was like, yeah, you guys accept Bitcoin. I have the Spedden wallet. Apparently it works. So just scan this barcode and then, you know, that's how I'm going to pay. And I felt bad because the line behind me was, you know, for uh -huh. like, because there was an issue. They didn't know how to accept it. But then they finally found out that if you scan the barcode as a gift card, that's how the Bitcoin actually mm. works. And so when they did find out that you could that, you know, the Bitcoin was usable at Nordstrom Rack, they got so excited, you know, the, the cashier's face lit up and they were like, wow, this is so cool. I was like, yeah, I hope more people start to use it. But I think, you know, they told me no one has ever come into that location with Bitcoin before. <laughs> right. And, and the 20, <laughs> 20 people behind you were, were, you know, throwing things at you, I'm sure, by the end of it. Uh, yeah, they probably thought I was like weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I think a, a lot of us are in this space, so it goes with the territory. Right. <laughs> so let, let's, um, I just want to, since this is kind of a, you know, general news type of, of topic today, um, what do you think about voice from EOS? Do you think it, you know, what, what do you think is going to happen there? What are your thoughts on it? Um, any predictions that you have for it? Yeah. So actually, and I've, I've covered that before and I'm blanking on it. I know that like, I think Joel and Travis, the bad crypto guys might've formed some partnership with them. Um, but I, I don't know. Can you remind me exactly what it's doing? Yeah, it's like I, the uh, EOS social network, you know, for crypto people. Uh -huh. So it's not, it, you know, there's not going to be anything in terms of, of watching what you're doing. They're mm -hmm. not going to sell your information to advertisers, but it's still in a social network on the blockchain. So it should be interesting to see how this actually works. Yeah, well, I definitely think that's needed, especially after what happened with the YouTube ban, which happened right around Christmas time. Yeah. I'm sure you remember that. Oh, yeah. 
It's like, yeah, YouTube started taking down these cryptocurrency influencers channels on Christmas. (laughs) It's like, Uh, you know, the Grinch who stole Christmas YouTube. And it's like, (laughs) we need these platforms that, you know, aren't going to, aren't going to do that. Right. And, you know, then they call it a mistake, which was kind of a joke. Right. It's like, I doubt that was a mistake. You don't target, you know, 75 people and call it a mistake. That, that doesn't happen. Exactly. Yeah. And it wasn't anything else. It was just the crypto guys. Yeah, I know. It was, I mean, it was horrible. Like, you know, to see all of your work just disappear and, and you don't right. even know why. It's like, I think they were giving these reasons, like you violated YouTube's community standards. And it's like, <laughs> right, whatever those are. Right. It's like, how am I violating Nordstrom rack standards by going in and paying with Bitcoin? Are you guys going to ban me yeah. as a customer now? It's like, it doesn't make sense. It really did. And they did reverse course, but not before the damage was done. Yeah. Reinforced, ironically, it kind of reinforced what we're all saying in crypto and blockchain land, which is you can't trust large corporations and you can't trust government, right? Because look what can happen. Now we have our own. It's like they served up a a use case for us. Yeah, exactly. All right. So let's switch to um, what I have a major problem with in this space uh, is mainstream adoption. Why do you think, you know, I'll, I'll give it 95% of at least people in the United States, worldwide, it's probably a higher percent, haven't ever traded a Bitcoin or haven't, you know, been involved in blockchain at all? Why do you think that is? Well, I mean, you know, I think a lot of it stems from the bad rep that Bitcoin had to begin with, you know, people thinking, and people still think that. I think yeah. a lot of the population outside of my little San Francisco bubble, or, you know, as I should say, maybe cryptocurrency bubble where people just live anywhere randomly. Um, you know, they think that Bitcoin is used for drugs and crime and you still hear that. It's like, if, if I'm like, Oh, Bitcoin, the price is up. How exciting. You know, I think people are like, Oh, she has Bitcoin. Maybe she's like a criminal. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so I just think, you know, that, has drawn a lot of people away from it. People don't understand it. Um, also the fact that like all these exchanges are being hacked and people are losing their Bitcoin in the blink of an eye. I think that's really turning people off to it. And then you have these like safety measures that just seem so confusing. It's like my mother, how is she ever going to understand like how to keep her Bitcoin completely 100% safe? Yeah. It's complicated. It's a complicated industry, but at the same time, it's also, revolutionary and it's going to change the world i believe yeah i believe so too i mean especially with what's happening in let's just pick a country like venezuela yeah you know probably the most uh wealthy nation in terms of oil and look what's happened to their economy and uh there was a a picture the other day that i saw where it looked like the guy had probably ten thousand bills stacked up in 20 rows and the caption was you know, these are Venezuelan, I don't know if they call them pesos. I don't know what they call it down there. But yeah. uh, this, this st- these stacks, these 20 stacks that are at least 10 inches high are worth $3. <laughs> so yeah. When you get to that point, you know, this is where something like a Bitcoin is perfect because you could just put it into Bitcoin instead of the local currency run by corrupt government with all these resources. But because of the system of government they have in place, have totally destroyed the economy. Yeah, well, you know, that's the perfect use case for Bitcoin. I think you just, you know, in America, we're kind of, okay, Bitcoin, US dollars, credit card, 
whatever Venmo, you know, stuff like that. But then in places like Venezuela, it's like, yeah, Bitcoin is going to make a huge difference because their currency, you know, isn't worth a lot. You have to keep track of this paper money, which I hate. I hate yeah. paper money. I hate right. coins. It's annoying. So um, I think those are the places that are going to help drive mainstream ado adoption. And then eventually, you know, um, you know, places like America are going to realize how much easier it is just to use digital money. Yeah, I mean, very good point. Um, and, and I'll just, I'll, I'll just put some brackets around this by just saying, look, anyone that's just starting out in crypto or has started out in crypto knows how freaking difficult it is just to sign up for Coinbase. You, know, oh, you got to yeah. take a picture of yourself holding your ID and all this nonsense. I mean, it's amazing. Uh, there's as many people involved in crypto as there is just given mm -hmm. the, all the, the, the technical hurdles. So, yeah. I mean, if somebody could just simplify that somehow, some way, in, in order to make it as easy as using a credit card, uh, they're going to be golden. I know there's some companies working on it. And I know there's some companies that have put this in place, but it always seems like those companies start with good intentions. Like PayPal used to be able to take, you know, use PayPal to buy Bitcoin. Not anymore, mm -hmm. right? Oh, yeah. uh, all these things just die off because uh, they're afraid. I think the government's going to get involved and remove their, their money licenses and, and stuff like that. Yeah. But, but uh, if it's, when, when that gets resolved, I think we're going to see a lot more people flock into it. But we still have to resolve, we still have to resolve the issue of you know, transferring money with these long addresses. And, mm -hmm. I, I mean, I, I can't believe somebody hasn't come up with an easier solution than that, right? Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens with that. So yeah. I want to I wrap things up, Rachel, by asking you um, if you could invest a fictional $100,000 in one or two cryptos, what would they be and why? Yeah, well, I'm going to say Bitcoin. Surprise, mm -hmm. surprise. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, why? Because I really believe in its potential. Um, yeah. I mean, we already see the price. It's over 10K now, which yeah, is... It really is. Fantastic. Yeah, which is yeah. awesome. But, I mean, you know, it's the most known cryptocurrency. If you say cryptocurrency to someone, I think, you know... Someone they think Bitcoin. Say, yeah, they think Bitcoin. They're not thinking ether or litecoin right. yeah. so yeah. bitcoin obviously um also i see potential with xrp um mm -hmm. and i know a lot of advocates here um in the bay area and and i mean other places xrp seems like it's it's really gonna um you know gain traction soon so probably xrp as well um and ether because why not right <laughs> yeah okay yeah so three that you uh especially uh ether now it's it's been on a tear lately so yeah. Um, yeah i think that's because of the kind of the DeFi movement but um i don't know for sure if that's the reason why or not yeah so lastly uh a couple things you're writing a book on enterprise blockchain is that right correct do you have a date and name for the book yet uh i do have a name and i'm not going to reveal it because oh, I, i'm really okay. happy with it and yeah. um in terms of a date, no. I, I mean, honestly, I've been a little bit sidetracked with um, the article writing. Mm -hmm. um, it keeps me busy. So I'm hoping to get it out this year, probably the end of the year. I initially wanted, wanted to have it out by the summer, and I just don't think that's realistic anymore. So probably by the end of this year. Yeah, so you must be self-publishing because the publishers, I've, I've written a book as well, and they took six months, and that was expedited. To get it out, once I handed them the book, 
Yeah. So I don't know if you, what your plans are, but I mean, if you're going the publishing route, it's going to be, it's going to be a while. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I've thought about the options. So um, we'll see. Yeah. I don't think there's much of a stigma attached to self-publishing anymore. As long as it's done well, the book cover looks good. Yeah. I don't think there's that stigma that there was when I published mine five years ago. Yeah. Okay. Uh, lastly, how do people get a hold of you on social media? Yeah, well, you guys can just call me. Just kidding. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just give you my phone number right now. Yeah, I'm going to put it out right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, the best way is um, Twitter. I'm really active on Twitter. So my handle yes, is... Yes, you are. Yeah, it's at RachelWolf00. Uh, that's the best way. Okay. Wolf00. Okay, excellent. Um, and uh, is there anything else... Uh, as we wrap up that you want to uh, communicate about? No, not really. I mean, just, you know, I, I hope people, you know, read the news regularly. I think Cointelegraph is a great news source. Um, you know, read my articles. I'm, I enjoy writing them. So I think that reflects in my writing. And um, yeah, if you ever have a question, don't be afraid to ask it. Like this is a new emerging industry and it's complicated. So I think people need to ask questions in order to learn and we should just, you know, get that out there. Like don't feel stupid. If, if you want to know more about crypto and blockchain, like just ask the question. Wonderful. Yeah, great advice. So they can all ask you right on your Twitter, Twitter handle. Yeah, please. I'm very <laughs> open to questions and I'll retweet and, you know, tweet and all of that. So. Yeah. Wonderful. All right. Thanks, Rachel. Yeah, thank you. A reminder that we are not financial advisors, and anything we talk about or refer to on the show should not be considered or construed as financial advice. We encourage you to do your own research and come to your own conclusions.